Hello everyone, this is Mike. Uh, slightly different intro to the show. Again, decided to do this in two parts for the ban list explanation list, and this is part two of said list. So a couple of things to take care of at the beginning. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash socialcontractedh or search for the social contract in the bar of their homepage. You can check out the show notes for a direct link there and also a direct link to our Discord server. There it's easy to ask Judge Alex for rules questions, look at cards that are uh, fun and entirely underutilized, as well as suggest topics for the show. Uh, we're going to go ahead and go into the rest of the cards that are banned in EDH. Hope you enjoy. All right, Alex. Uh, we didn't get through much of the list, but the good news is we're going to repeat a lot of the same words in the second list uh, and move forward. Uh, but before we do that, for uh, for us, for you, for me, for everybody, uh, we're going to do some gifts. Gifts ungiven, uh, three and a blue for an instant. Search your library for up to four cards with different names and reveal them. Target opponent chooses two of those cards. Put the chosen cards into your graveyard and the rest into your hand, then shuffle. Uh, printed in 2004, banned in 2009. Gifts, low Blue investment makes it splashable, and the instant speed means that you can use it at the most opportune time with lower chance for countering or interaction. The ability to tutor for two combo pieces and two ways to recur them generally makes this a one-card game ender, and even the most casual play is a double tutor. I mean, yeah, like, <laughs> it's a really powerful tutor, 100%. There's a lot of really powerful tutors out there. I... I, I, I'm, I, I, I don't like tutors in general, so my bias is strong on this. I'm totally fine with this not being a playable card, but, like, I don't know how much worse it is than most other tutors, to be honest with you. I guess the idea of, like, hey, I'm going to factor fiction, but I'm going to pick all of the cards is pretty oppressive on its own, especially at instant speed, but uh, it just there's lots of powerful things. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, this is considerably better than uh, any pile card because of the way yeah. the card is templated and, and how it's, it it's a happens. tutor. Yes. Yeah, it, yeah. And even though it is much more expensive than most tutors, especially tutors in mono black and in blue, uh, the ability to be getting multiple cards up to four and uh, and two unavoidably, which we'll talk about in a second here. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm. It makes a lot of sense to me that this card is is banned. Should more tutors be banned? Perhaps so. This one's fine being banned. But cool. let's briefly talk about what's happening on this card. Um, you've searched your library up mm -hmm. to four cards with different names and reveal them. Now, yep. four cards with different names, that's not really a problem in Commander. That would edge out some win cons in some other competitive formats because of their four of style. Right, right. That would prevent them from getting all of their tasty win cons or rather getting their four of and their opponents like, okay, well, I'll pick two of the same card and two go to your hand, so I lose. But even in Commander, you're getting two to the graveyard and two to your hand. You've said it before. Many people have said it before. In a deck that is a graveyard deck, which many blue decks can be, the graveyard is nothing if not a second hand, right? That. The graveyard right. is so highly accessible. There are so many cards that can get cards out of the graveyard. There are lands that can get cards out of the graveyard. There are commanders. Like, the graveyard is not 
The graveyard is another playable it's, zone. For right. Like 20% it, it's like the, the trash can or the recycling bin on your computer. Yeah. You threw it away, but it's by no means gone. It is very much still yeah. there, and you could just go still get it. The interesting thing about this, and, and this came up in uh, in a competitive tournament at one point, and uh, there was a great Ristic Studies video that talked about it. Due to the way this card is templated, if you choose to get fewer than four cards, for example, if you choose to get two cards, your opponent's hand is forced, right? They don't get mm-hmm. to decide to put those two cards yeah. into your hand or one in your hand or one to the graveyard. Um, if you get two cards, they're both going to the graveyard, which means that you just resolved a double in tomb and your opponent has no input. <laughs> so even running it that way, getting less value out of it can be even more effective. Uh, this is an extremely powerful tutor. It can win the game on the spot because it can fetch up your entire combo, even in commander. I'm fine with this being banned. Right. Yeah, no, it's it's we don't have to we don't have to hit that drum anymore. It is it is beaten and the rhythm is done. Uh, Golos, tireless pilgrim. Very contentious this one. Yeah, and like, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll say it. Um, so five mana for a legendary artifact creature scout three five. When Golos tire, tireless pilgrim enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a land card, put that card onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. You can also pay two in Wooburg. To exile the top three cards of your library, you may pay, play them this turn without paying their mana costs. Very powerful. Yes. Uh, first printed in 2019, banned in 2021. There are many problems with the card, but the greatest is that in the low to middle power level tiers where we focus the objections, which is the this is the interesting part there. Um, Golos is simply a better choice of leader for all but the most commander centric decks. Its presence crushes the kind of diversity in commander choice which we want to promote. Oh, boy. So, I'll tell you what. Do you want to complain about the explanation first, or do you want me to try and defend it? Uh, well, usually you do yours first, and then I do mine. How about I, I'll, I'll complain, and then you can sure. tell me why I'm wrong. Sounds great. Well, I won't do that. I'll, I'll tell you why I'm <laughs> yeah, fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this card was banned in, in the modern age. The interesting thing about it is that it was banned multiple years after it came out, and mm-hmm. it wasn't really a question of this card turned out to be much more powerful than it was originally read as. Like nobody in preview or spoiler season was looking at that card and like, oh, it was, uh, you know, it's powerful. This is, this wasn't a surprise, right? Exactly. The moment this card got spoiled and released, we're like, wow, this is the best five-color good stuff commander in a long time. Uh, So it was very surprising that it took over two years to catch a ban. And it's not just that, like, oh, we're waiting around for it to be banned. In the time between release and ban, this became the single most popular commander in the game of EDH. And it wasn't close. Mm -hmm. It surpassed Atraxa, which... If you know, you know. That is a huge feat. This was number one. We knew that something like this would happen, and yet it took so long for them to ban it that by the time that they did, many players had already constructed and refined and grew attached to these decks. And I appreciate whenever you ban a card, that kind of thing is going to happen. But this was avoidable because this card, if it was ban-worthy, it was ban-worthy on release. 
Um, yeah. But I do have the other point of... They say in the explanation that their, uh, their ban list is based on the low to middle power level tier. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, Mike. Do you agree with that? They're saying it's where they focus it. Okay. And, and I'm fine with that. Okay. Where a lot of the explanation as far as, hey, we're banning this card because in the low to middle tier... In the not, which I am going to stop saying the low to middle, I'm going to just start saying in the non-CEDH tier. Sure. That's where we're generally going to make decisions as far as why cards are going to be banned. Okay. I'm okay with that because they've also put the explanation as far as like, hey, the power nine is banned because of barrier to entry, which was more of what we're talking about with non-CEDH. Hey, I'm fine with uh, Emmercool as far as like, hey, public outcry, overwhelming. Uh, Okay. Well, that's mostly in the non-CEDH. I don't think there was any public outcry for this card. I'll tell you what. Um, I I had a Golos deck. Yes. I took my Golos deck apart. And I took it apart because like, oh, there's a lot of Golos decks. And they all kind of do the same thing. Sure. Because I do agree with the... I, I agree with here. Okay. Them saying, hey, there's a lot of problems with the card. I agree. <laughs> But the greatest is that in the low to middle power level tiers where we focus the ban list, Golos is simply a better choice of leader for all but the most commander-centric of decks. Uh... Here's my question. Five mana, tutor a land onto the battlefield, pay Wooberg, exile three cards, play them without paying their mana costs. Unless your commander is specifically doing something that the rest of the deck revolves around, Golos can be in every deck. <laughs> like, it can be the... Like, sure. I don't say that it is. I'm not saying it is exclusively. But I get what they're saying. Where it's like, hey, this is a commander that came out and in two years was the number one played commander in the format. It... The the, the kind of thing where they're like, hey, our, our actual call to action, our goals for the format is to have diversity to have a whole lot of things yeah if that's if your goal is for diversity then yeah you don't want 5000 golo stacks the second that it's revealed like i get it um i it's not so powerful that it should be banned because it's too powerful it is not so oppressive to the format that it should be gone and it's not so lacking in adversity that it's soul ring and it's in every single deck. I acknowledge every single one of those things. The combination of it being close to several of those things, fine, get rid of it. When they banned Golos, I went, okay. And I took apart my Golos deck and I was fine with it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it is what it is, but I, I get, I, I totally get where you're coming from, though. Right. I. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. I can sit here and say, well, you should have known that this card would be the most popular commander in the format. No, no, no. no, they, no. They no Alex, Alex, yes. Alex. Hindsight is twenty twenty one. That's when it was banned. Oh. Continue. But the fact of the matter is that I think if you look back and look at what people were talking about when this commander was brand new or being spoiler previewed, it was pretty evident that even though there were many 5C commanders being printed uh, around that time, and we really, as as uh, we're talking about, just a resurgence in, in five-color commanders that even a few years ago, there simply weren't that many. 
that Golos probably stood out even among those. Oh, yeah. Um, so it, I think a lot of the animosity surrounding this ban was that they took long enough to allow it to become the number one commander in the format, and now they've banned away tens of thousands of decks. Sure. And and that's totally reasonable. It, I, I do have issues with the timing on the banning of this card as well. I, I agree. As far as it being banned, I'm fine with it. I just sure. Think, yeah. It should have either been done much earlier or much later. <laughs> like More like Gristle Banned. Yeah. Gristle Banned is uh, four quad black. That's eight mana for a legendary creature demon. It's a 7-7 seven, seven flying lifelink. Activated ability. Pay seven life. Draw seven cards. Uh, no confusion here. Uh, my goodness. It was first printed in 2012 in May, and it was banned in 2012 June. See, that's a much more reasonable timeline for me, right? Yeah. A card is very powerful. It's printed. It's oppressive. You know it's going to be a problem. You ban it within a month. Great. Nice work. Gristlebrand's typical play pattern involves cheating it onto the battlefield early to draw an overwhelming number of cards. Yeah. Its effect is amplified in Commander due to higher starting life totals. Yes. It's constant availability as a commander and the fact that you get the cards in the hand immediately after activating its ability. Yes. Gristlebrand is one of the most powerful black cards ever, ever. Um, it makes complete sense that it's banned. Yes, that's an incredibly expensive casting cost, but as they said, if you're in mono black or any deck with black in it, you don't need to pay that cost. You can just entomb it. You can reanimate it, cheat it out. And then all of a sudden you're paying seven mana gain seven cards. And because that's an activated ability with no tap cost, no mana cost, you just do that four or five, six times, however many you uh, you want to do, and draw enough cards to, to win the game on the spot, Mike. I'm, I'm almost at a point where I don't even consider mana cost as part of a reason to ban a thing. Like, if, if something is three mana and it's banned because it's so powerful, like, it's so powerful. It's so nuts. Oh my gosh. Okay, great. If it was four mana, would it be okay? What about five mana? What about six mana? Like if the whole thing is like, oh, it's a market inefficiency. Like that's not, well, great. That's what power creep is. So the eight mana is one thing, but I don't care. The pay seven life, draw seven cards, do it an instance. Like, yeah. Okay, cool. Gristlebrand is powerful. It's ridiculous. Yes, get it out. That's fine. It's funny to imagine just how much of just its it. mana cost is its body. Yeah. The Flying Lifelink 7-7. Seven, seven. Yep. And you have to wonder how much of the mana cost is the pay 7, draw 7. I don't think it's very much because of of uh, similar cards that do that. For sure. Uh, next one, real fast, Hole Breacher. Uh, we specifically yeah. did an episode, we had an episode on this about one. It, yeah. Because uh, guess what? This card sucks. I hate this card. And by sucks, he means it's amazing. No, it sucks. ultra powerful. It sucks the fun out of the game. Uh, There you go. Two and a blue for a flashed uh, Merfolk Merfolk? Merfolk pirate. uh, Three and two. uh, Three, two. If an opponent would draw a card except the first one they draw on each of their draw steps, instead you create a treasure token. Yeah, super stupid. Wow. I hate it. So better smothering tithe. Yeah. In blue. Yeah. Cool. With flash. With, 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 with. Another one that it took them not multiple years, but a good over six what? months, yeah. six, eight or nine months to ban. Um, we knew immediately, and not just us, many, many people oh, yeah, immediately that, recognizing that this card was going to be a huge problem right away. You and I cannot speak to the public outcry 
uh, for when Emmercool, the Aeons Torn, was no, was I was there. we weren't playing. I was only on the periphery. Yeah, yeah we weren't playing. We were not on the periphery <laughs> when Whole Breacher no, we, was we, released. We, that we was public up. outcry. We showed up on the Whole Breacher protest. Yep, uh, as part of that, Whole Breacher creates an environment of asymmetrical resource denial in the early game. Its ability easily combines with several other cards to strip opponents' hands and keep them empty. This creates an environment where players don't have agency, but doesn't outright end the game. Combined with its easy splash ability, it was an attractive and popular card to include in decks that were played in environments that couldn't handle it. This is my favorite explanation of all the ones we've read so far. It is so direct to the, hey, we banned this card because of all the reasons to ban this card that you all saw as well. Don't worry. We saw it. Yep. Gone. It's funny that, I mean, this is one of the most recent bans. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, is this indeed the most recent ban? Or was there one that happened after this? Anyway, this is a very recent ban, so it makes sense that they're direct because they didn't have to do any historic research to surmise and deduce why the card's banned. Right. They know yeah. they were there. Yeah, totally fine. Cool. Uh, right. Move on to another Talk card. Talk about my girl. Yeah. Uh, this is your girl. Okay, go ahead. It's No, she's not my girl. She worships my girl. Oh, got it. All right. I own a shield of Emeria. Emeria is the interpretation of Emrakul. Right. Right. She's she's the goddess that Emrakul is uh, positioned as in the minds of her worshippers, as an angel with six wings. Fair enough. Now, we know that she's <laughs> an Eldrazi <laughs> Titan, an unmentionable, unspeakable cosmic horror, but that doesn't make sense when you're trying to have a cult worshipping you. So. An Eldrazi and, Miriam, go- and, right. and goddesses clothing. Continue. Exactly. I own a shield of Emeria, six triple white, nine mana. For a legendary creature, Angel Flying, 7-7. As Iona enters the battlefield, choose a color. Your opponents can't cast spells of the chosen color. Is this card oppressive? Yes. Can be. Does this card shut people out of the game sometimes? Yes, it can. Let's look at these numbers. First printed in October of 2009. Yep. So I was fresh out of high school. Banned in July 2019. It took nearly 10 years to ban this card. Why? Iona's ability to lock entire colors out of the game makes it brutally efficient at removing agency from other players at the table, especially when opponents are playing one or two color decks. This often has led to the effect of totally negating one or more players' involvement in a game and creates unnecessary social friction. Now, I have had this card played against me. Really? When I was playing, yes. When I was playing a, I, I think it was a monocolor deck or maybe a two-color deck. And yeah, it it locks you out. I won't disagree that this is an oppressive card that locks out low-color decks. And that can be a feels-bad situation. That said... Mike, this is nine mana, three of which is white. Uh-huh. I have to say that as far as stacks pieces are concerned, that if you're spending nine mana at sorcery speed, one would hope that you're getting a pretty solid stacks piece. And I would say, indeed, that you probably are. I heard that the reason this card now, again, speculation, right? We're, we had the explanation here, but I'd heard in the past that uh, this was 
bands not because it was an oppressive commander, but because multicolored decks would entomb her and get her out turn one, which that doesn't that doesn't sit very well with me, no. right? Because this is at the very, very top end. I, there are how many commanders in Mono White are nine mana or higher? Sure. Very few. Very few. And this is one of them. This has a stacks effect. It's at nine mana. Three of the pips are white. Is it oppressive and annoying? Yes, it can be. Is it at an appropriate mana cost? I would say it certainly is. And yet, I had heard that that reason was was because people were doing what people do in Magic. They cheat the mana cost. Mm-hmm. They get it into a zone that they can reanimate it. Why Why does Iona have to suffer for that, Mike? What do you think? Uh wow. Um so I'm 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 just gonna read the last sentence of their explanation. Yeah. This Austin has the effect to uh to of totally negating one or more players' involvement in a game. I mean, sure. Like by by definition, that's po- that's possible and it's possible, probable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Here's the actual thing of where I, I go to it. Okay. And creates unnecessary social friction. Hey, guess what? If I'm playing my mono green beaters deck because I just want to, I just want to play Omnath green, right? I just want to do the cool green thing. Uh, cool. Iona, Shield of Maria, you don't, you don't get to play. Some- That's the thing is you, you get to, if you want to do something out there in green, like you want to do the thing green does. Yeah. Go stompy, go big, go fat and roll it in with big creatures. Do it. You want to do blue. Do your counter spells, do your copies, whatever blue does, it's awesome. You want to do white, mono white? Uh, we're going to have to audit that, right? Because we don't want you doing what white does because that's bad. Well, here's the difference. All the stuff that blue does is I'm going to try and do some control. I'm going to draw some cards. I'm going to do some, I'm going to do a bunch of different stuff, right? Green, big, stompy, etc. All like when it turns into white and it's like no you are not allowed to participate in the game with anything other than what you've already got on the field you get to you get to politically talk to other people to try and get them to help you and if they do then you're conniving against the person at the table if they don't then you're trying to work with people who aren't going to work with you so the social friction thing that it's talking about 100% i that sure. the the explanation on that part I'm all in on. I have not seen this card be played against me, and I played Commander before 2019. So it's one of those things where it's like, hmm, was this a big problem that needed to be removed? No. This is a this is a card to send a message. Hey, don't be a jerk for being a jerk's sake kind of thing. You know what I mean? Well, we could talk about cards banned to send a message, just go on and on and on. Exactly. Uh, but we're not. No, we're not. We're we, we're going to go on and on for a lot of stuff just because that's what we do. Uh, Caracas, oh, oh, oh. legendary land. Tap out of white. Tap return target legendary creature to its owner's hand. Um, we're going to go over this one oh, real quick. My. Uh, Commander is a format that focuses on legendary creatures and ties to get uh, that tie together decks thematically and caracas is a land that can both prevent a player from having consistent access to their commander and allow its controller to consistently save their commander from removal it does both of these things for a negligibly negligibly low activation cost hey they're absolutely right this is a this is this should not be in commander cool do you have any further notes 
I agree. This is it's too powerful for Commander, but I think this is another example of a uh, a classic white card being very very good at doing what it does, but because it's accessible to more than just a stacks mono white deck, mm-hmm. like you'd throw this in any old deck. Do you any have deck that includes white? Yeah. Do you have a deck that includes white? Cool. Put that in there. Yeah. That's that's kind of the issue, isn't it? That balance might have actually been okay if you're running a mono white deck because mono white decks can be on the slower side. Yeah. They they can have issues ramping into things and they can have issues drawing into things. And likewise, a mono white deck, it I mean, this is incredibly powerful and, and probably should be banned, but a mono white deck might be an appropriate place for you to slow down other p- players' commander play mm-hmm. or at least force them to remove a land to cast their commander. But because this can be run in any deck that right. is white, it's mm, it just it gets sacrificed, right? I have a question. Yeah. If if they reprinted Caracas, but it was Caracas 2, uh, and mm-hmm. instead of return a tap return target legendary creature to its owner hand, it was tap sacrifice Caracas 2 return target legendary creature to its owner's hand. Would you be cool with it? Would I be cool with it? I think that that would be very playable. Okay. And... I don't think I'd ban it. You know what I mean? No, I'd, I don't think I would ban it. Okay. I think I would... I'd run it in my stacks. Like it would be good, but it wouldn't be... It wouldn't be this. It wouldn't be... Yeah. Because this is that repeatable okay. bounce you do it on every turn. And that's, that's, that's kind of what I thought, too. I just wanted to double check. Uh, yeah. Talk to me about another commander here. Yeah, Leovold, Emissary of Trust, uh, <laughs> black, green, blue. It's a uh, legendary creature, Elf Advisor. It's a 3-3. Three, three. And it has each opponent can't draw more than one card each turn. Hmm. Whenever you or a permanent you control becomes the target of a spell or ability and opponent controls, you may draw a card. So, if you're a newer player, this may not immediately sort of leap out at you as to why this is bandworthy because we do have other cards in the format that limit you to one drop per turn. Uh, this is not the only such effect. Or maybe indeed you're wondering why why is that such a problem at all in the first place? Well, the first issue, right, is that it can be in your command zone. Mm-hmm. So that access is dramatically increased. But it's because of its use in conjunction with wheel cards that force draws and force discards. But because the draws are limited, you'll draw back into an empty hand. So let's read this explanation. Uh, It was printed in uh, 2016 in August and banned about a year later, 2017 in April. Leobold as a commander creates an environment of asymmetric resource denial in the early game. Its second ability protects itself and other resource denial pieces in play. A little bit, but not really. It's it's mostly just a bonus, right? I wouldn't. It's not ward, right? It's not hexproof. It's not uh, vorinclex. It. I don't think that the second ability is has anything to do with why this card should be banned. I'm shocked they even mentioned it. Um, and its first ability easily combines with several other cards to strip opponents' hands and keep them empty. Where the wheels come in, where players don't have agency, but doesn't outright end the game, right? It's. I'm again. I'm surprised that they would even deign to mention the second ability whenever you or a permanent you control becomes a target. Uh, you may draw. A I card. get it. Yes, that's good, but uh, I'm pretty sure that that effect exists on a one man on, on a bunch of stuff. It exists, but 
But right, that's not a problem. The problem is the is problem the first is the first ability. ability. I understand them mentioning the second ability too, though, because their whole thing is like it protects itself from resource denial pieces. So it's something where oh, we're gonna make things more difficult for you. Well, it's like all right, well, great. If you do something that targets my stuff, or I do, you know, or I do something, I target, or you know what I mean. Like it's it automatically it, it's doing the asymmetrical resource denying asymmetrical at any point if they're doing that is typically something where it's like ooh, ooh, I'm, I'm raising my eyebrow think about all the reasons why whole breacher is banned cool that's why leovold is banned it's it's, it's the it's the be all end all of it yes it's it's ridiculous that you get benefit to everybody else not being able to draw their extra cards which means in combination with a bunch of wheels and a bunch of other effects where you would draw multiple cards etc that it's a not it's no longer a card where you're doing better. It's you are taking away and doing better. So Leovold, where it's taking away, and if something were to try and target your stuff to also take away your resources, you get something out of a benefit from it. It is not the reason that this card is banned, but the combination of the two is a problem. There's a surprising number of cards that are just sacrificed to the altar of wheels, and I understand yeah. there are far, far too many wheels to ever meaningfully attempt to curtail or ban them and i wouldn't suggest that you would it's just interesting that uh i mean wheels are just these incredibly powerful spells that says right on them discard your hand and draw end cards and yet it's the cards that surround them right. that get banned no, right? I, and i get that i mean it's why wheelie wheelie good exists um library <laughs> of alexandria this is a land uh, this is old, so bear with me because I do not have I do not have the scryfall pulled up. If there's any changes to the uh, the listing of it, uh, tap to add a colorless mana to your mana pool or draw a card from your library. You may use the card drawing ability only if you have exactly seven cards in hand. It was first printed in 1993. It was banned at some point. Uh, it was a long time ago. Uh, library was a long time. Uh, was long for a long time considered the tenth piece of power in vintage play. Like those, it was banned to avoid the perceived barrier to entry, but was strong enough to be a candidate for banning even without the optics, especially in long games where the card draw yields inevitability over time. Combined with its colorless nature allowing it to go in every deck, and the occasional difficulty for inexperienced players to realize the library is one of the is the reason they're losing, its place on the ban list is very secure. So here's my interesting thing here. I don't yeah. think I've read its place on the banned list is very secure or anything like that for any of these cards we've talked about so far. Where it's like, oh, this is state. No, uh, I think it's <laughs> yeah. funny that they say that. I think that that's true for basically all of these cards. It It's very, very rare for them mm-hmm. to unban a card. Um, and there really has to be some explicit, specific reason and a lot of momentum behind it to make that happen. Cards just don't come off the ban list, so it, it is interesting that they mention that. But what's interesting about this land is that I don't think it needs to be on the ban list in EDH. I don't think that this, it, now perhaps in Vintage Legacy and, uh, and other competitive formats, yes, absolutely makes sense for them, what have you. But in the game of Commander where you can only have one of these your access to this land is going to be significantly more 
limited because you're not going to be running. I mean, if you're building your entire deck around lands, I don't know how a vintage Library of Alexandria deck works. I know you can only have one of them, but I expect that uh, they're doing their best to, to gain and maintain control of it. It's definitely a lot harder to keep this going as an engine in the game of Commander, especially when you have multiple people at the table who are able to manipulate your hand. We talked about wheels. Wheels can result in an unpredictable number of cards in your hand. People can force you to cast cards or exile cards out of your hand. And honestly, I mean, other than the fact that I'm a little bit surprised it has a mana ability on it, this definitely seems like one of those lands that would not have a mana ability. Even it being at the higher end of the spectrum, like I don't think that that this is a Ben-worthy card. And I, if it came off the ban list, I mean, obviously the price is completely prohibitive. It's on the reserve list. But I don't think that this would be a situation where all of a sudden it's in every deck because people would put it in. They'd be like, oh my God, look at all that value. And then within a few months, they'd realize I'm not able to get the value off of this that I thought I could. Because I'm I'm not building around it. What do you think? Uh, if this card was more accessible, and it was taken off the ban list, I think it would be in like eighty percent of decks. It is. What is the downside really? of this card? This is. People are allergic to utility lands, Mike. Because like, oh, we can't run more because than a the stuff that lands. they do on utility lands is uh, half the time they come into play tapped, half the time they add a colorless. Or they don't, or they don't, and then the utility that they add is a cost. It's I, you can also do this with this card, but right there, you could say that about. There's so many utility lands that are just generic, yeah. excellent. That they're just they have a mana ability. They come in untapped and they do great things, and yet they're not in eighty percent of decks. Is Ancient Tomb in well, 80% that, of decks? That's a cost-prohibitive no. thing, too. <laughs> if Ancient Tomb was less expensive, I would have more Ancient Tombs, I think. Um, here, I, I'm I'm going to look up a card real quick. Okay. okay. Uh, Reliquary Tower is in 28% of decks on EDH Rec. I would say that's probably got to be the most popular utility lander, at least it I was agree. at one time. I agree. Right? And, and only twenty eight percent. That's so I, far. I'm with from you. Me. It's lower than I thought. That said, I think the upside of Library of Alexandria and it being a card that draws you a card, as opposed to one that it prevents you from discarding discarding cards at the end of the turn. I like the upside more on the Library of Alexandria. That said, and, and I'm not saying I'm not sitting here and it's like it's too powerful. It's ridiculous. I'm saying there's no downside to the card. It's a colorless. It's a colorless card, so it can go in everything. You can you can call it a thousand different reasons why they would ban it. I don't think it's because it's too powerful, regardless of the fact that they're like, oh, it's the tenth power, tenth piece of power in vintage play. Nah. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised that the language that they're using to describe it. Yes, you can definitely construct mm -hmm. an argument that this deserves to be banned. I don't agree with the argument that they presented. Uh, limited resources. Another white balance card, Mike. Uh, yeah. Uh, that happen? uh, white for an enchantment. When limited resources comes into play, each player chooses five lands they control and sacrifices the rest. As long as there are 10 or more lands in play, players cannot play lands. So limited resources is probably the easiest card on the ban list to justify. It does not scale with the number of players. So as early as 
turn two, it effectively reads, players can't play any more lands on a one-mana enchantment. I mean, that explanation, uh, as far as the, it does not scale well, it does not scale with the number of players, uh, mm-hmm. the, the second half of that statement is true. There's nothing that I can argue with on that. Um, I don't know if it's the easiest to justify a uh, card on this list to ban. Um, in fact, I think our next card is it's pretty easy to justify the ban list <laughs> on. Um, but, like, here's the thing. Uh, I did not know that this was a banned card. Really? I, I didn't. I, 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 I totally forgot. Totally slipped my mind. I, you and I did an episode. And I know we talked about this card. Still didn't yes. remember that it was a banned card. Um, yeah, it's it's rough. Don't get me it wrong. Is. It's powerful. Uh, um there's a bunch of different ways that you can you can do you can make problems with this right uh i i I think to a certain point like one of the things that they do is like hey we're gonna ban stuff that just is straight up not fun to play against there's a difference between that seems like the explanation for every one of the stacks cards they've banned so far but there's a difference between like oh this is a stacks card that is too stacksy and is unplayable or it is unenjoyable to play against and like hey this is a card that says for one mana, there will be no more lands played until this is destroyed. And, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it, this is this is Staxy, but it's a lot easier to build your deck in a way where it's like, oh, this is Staxy, but I'm not going to be affected by these stacks. You know, the same reason that we love playing Group Hub because we're going to give resources and we're going to encourage people who don't have their deck built for the extra resources, but ours are built for that way. The, ah, I'm going to slow everybody down, but if I play limited resources, I have five ways to get around that issue. How many do you have built into your deck? You know what I mean? Right. Well, I mean, you could be a ramp deck, in which case you would be uh, ramping lands or reanimating lands, neither of which is playing. You could Mm -hmm. be playing an artifact deck, which is playing out mana rocks. Those are not affected by this. You could be playing a green deck with mana dorks. Uh, There's a lot of ways around this. Now, I agree. This this was not designed for EDH, and this one in particular really shows because five barely makes sense for two people. For four people, it makes even less sense. So, yes, I agree. This mm-hmm. is highly oppressive. It makes sense that it's banned. However, just piling on, I mean, I this is indicative, right? This is not a just rent like wow i can't believe they ever printed this this is what mono white has been for a long time and it's only recently that it kind of has begun to move away from this but it really hasn't even done that right Mm -hmm. it's just become a little bit less mean about it in some cases and yet it seems categorically that this strategy which is broadly represented by mono white is unacceptable which to me kind of feels like just walling off a part of the game I understand it's not fun to play against, and this card is not fun to play against. Well, but it's part of a bigger story. And the other part of it too, and I think the they 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 mentioned it doesn't scale well with the number of players, right? I agree, it doesn't. And, and like, here's the thing: if you built, if you if you were going to release this card now in a commander deck, it would have different language. And it's not just sure. because like, ooh, stacks is mean, because that's because they still make stacks cards. It would have different language to it. Yeah. So unless you errata it. And you completely change what the card says, which they wouldn't. Which they wouldn't. Then I, yeah, the card because of the way it's designed in 1998 when there wasn't Commander, you know, uh, there there weren't a whole bunch of podcasts, <laughs> there weren't a whole bunch of ch- live play shows and stuff like that. Um, I get it. Like it's just 
the the game that is what is the most popular format now, this card would not be something that would have ever been designed with that in mind. That's true. Go to the complete opposite counterpoint of that, uh, a card that was designed when Commander was thriving. Um, Lutri, the Spell Chaser, one and uh, hybrid, uh, is it, is it, for a legendary creature, Elemental Otter, 3-2, with Companion, each non-land card in your starting deck has a different name, we'll get to that, and Flash, and when Lutri, the Spell Chaser, enters the battlefield, if you cast it, copy, target, instant, or sorcery spell you control, you may choose new targets for the copy, and then follow on. Uh, first printed, 2020, April. Banned 2020 April. There we go. That's what we want to see. Make a decision yeah, no quick. Um, Lutri is in a unique category of banned cards that interact poorly with the structure of the format. In general terms, companions encourage uh, companions encourage creative deck building and reinforce the idea that self-imposed restrictions can be fun and novel. I actually do agree with that. Lutri's restriction is met by. <laughs> nearly all commander decks so it allows all decks with blue and red to have a 101st card in the deck and an eighth card in their hand yeah fine fair this this card shouldn't have ever existed uh for commander specifically if they had done companion in a different way that would have been more tangible and make more sense that would have been super cool too uh but they didn't so hey here's your dual caster mage that just sits in your uh not command zone but command zone uh in your companion zone etc um hey do you think this would have gotten nearly as much like pushback if it wasn't the elemental otter like if this was a weird okay i because I, I i think i uh i was listening to a uh, shout out to uh the mics on the am i the bolus cast um they had uh, they had shivan on not too not too long ago and this was like the big thing where it's like hey you know what if this was a different creature type i think people wouldn't have even cared that it got banned. But because it's an otter, people got really sad. Because <laughs> I did. Yeah, I, I do have quite a bit to say about this ban. Um, yeah. It does make perfect sense in the context of, you know, the, the world line we're in. We're in the timeline where Companion exists and is legal in Commander and works the way that it does. And because of those reasons... Uh, Lutri simply cannot be allowed to be legal in the format. For sure. Uh, period. End of sentence. That said, I don't agree with the way that Companion was integrated into Commander. Companion Agreed. was created as kind of a way to bring a little bit of Commander into non-Commander formats, mm -hmm. into limited and uh, standard and you could have kind of this pseudo commander as long as you built your deck to a certain restriction, which is what many commander players do. We like to be creative with our decks. We like to impose our own restrictions and we like to have thematic cards mm -hmm. in our decks. Uh, and in addition to that, it's very much okay for a competitive deck to have additional cards associated with it because they do. Competitive decks have uh, the sideboard, which is a uh, an excess of cards that kind of sit in a special zone that Commander doesn't have. Uh, so that, that makes a lot of sense. You're in a format that doesn't have a Commander, but it does have a space where extra cards can go. What if we had kind of a little piece of Commander we brought to those games? Yeah, that's great for them. Fan fantastic. It's great. 
For Commander, Compendium makes no sense. We have commanders in the game of Commander, or, or Legends, Generals, whatever you call them. Having another one, we have those. They're called partners. In fact, we have many opportunities for partners. Having another one doesn't make any sense. Commander, as a format, uniquely, has a hard cap on the total number of cards that are permitted to be in a deck. Mm-hmm. Um, that being 100, and, and competitive formats don't have this limitation, which makes sense for them because in a competitive format, you would want a more consistent deck that gets to its win cons and it sports day faster. You want it to be leaner. You want it to be more consistent. Putting more cards in the deck is going to do the opposite of that. And for that reason, very few successful decks in competitive uh, formats as a history have ever really done well because it doesn't make any sense for them. Now, for you or I, having more than 100 cards in a deck sounds like a LARF, right? That sounds like a fun thing that you could do. If you could have 150 cards in a deck, for us, I think that would just make deck building easier, at least until we got accustomed to it and then we wanted to. I am currently building right? I'm currently building a deck where I have 60 cards on order and the 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 not including those, I'm looking at 300 cards that are currently exactly. in the deck that I'm going to have to cut. So yeah, it, I get it. Suffice <laughs> to say if if we didn't have an upper limit on the number of cards that we could have in a deck, I would come um, to, I would come with a dictionary. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So we're Commander is a very fundamentally different game format yeah. from these from these competitive formats, and I don't think that Companion is appropriate to be working the same way in the game of Commander that it does in those competitive formats uh, for those reasons. I, I mean, we already have Commanders, we already have Partners, and we don't have sideboards, and we have an upper limit on the number of cards in our deck. And for those reasons, I don't think that Companion should have worked the same way, right? I don't think sure. that we should be able to have a 101st card. It, it just doesn't suit the format. And because we do, because that is how things are, uh, for that reason, Lutri must be banned. Yep. Lutri had to die so that Companion could live. And was I'll that swear. a good trade? <laughs> I would say no. I like that, Otter. Um, and you know what? I will say, we haven't given... Uh, Watsi a whole lot of credit on this episode. Um, one of the things that I will give them credit for, like you said, partner, it exists. Commander, it exists. Companion doesn't really work well, well with that, but they tried, and then when they tried and they figured out, ooh, this is bad. Um, Had to adjust the rules. You know what we've never complained about once? In the D&D set where they had backgrounds... I didn't have any issue with those. And a lot of those that's commanders. Because those are partner commanders. And that's because they're partner commanders. Because they did a different thing than partner in a way that made sense. Companion, a way to kind of do partner without doing partner, the way that they formatted it didn't make a whole lot of sense. See, you can. You can. It's one of those things where it's like, hey, I don't like this thing that you made. Oh, okay. Hey, we, we did some things differently, but it's kind of like the thing we did before, but it's not all of the bad stuff. Oh, cool. I like that. Good job. For those who may not be aware, when Companion originally came out, mm-hmm. uh, it was in Commander, it was sitting outside the game, and you could merely, you could just cast it. As is. You could just cast it, right, as though it were in your hand. Yeah. Um, they did change universally the rules of 
companion the keyword to make it so that now is a special action. Whenever you have priority, you can pay three generic and move it from outside the game into your hand, yep. which makes a lot more sense and definitely reduces the power level of companions. Still bad. But that being the case, just don't. It, it doesn't make any sense. I, I said my piece. We can move on. Lutri died so the companion could live. I don't think that's fair. Uh, sorry, Lutri. Um, moving on to the Moxes. The Mox Emerald, cards, those Jet, are the same Pearl, Ruby, Sapphire, Power 9, yep. Scary. Bah! Okay. They, they don't belong one. in this format. Nope. Panoptic Mirror. Mm. Five mana for an artifact with imprint X. Tat. You may remove an instant or sorcery card with converted mana cost X in your hand from the game. That card is imprinted on this artifact. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may copy an imprinted instant or sorcery card and play the copy without paying its mana cost. It was printed in 2004. It was banned in 2005. Panoptic Mirror's presence on the ban list serves to remind players that the that most things are fun in moderation. It was, and remains, banned because of the incidental, often accidental uses which lead to repetitive, boring games, beyond the obvious extra turns combo. It's a trap, in quotes, for casual deck builders because it seems like a fun value engine. However, too many different plus four, man, or four plus mana spells, when imprinted, will grind the game to a halt. Wraths, tutors, discard, even card draw can yield insurmountable advantage and lock up the game. I mean, yes, if you have access to a value engine and it's a high one or it's a tutor one or it's one where being able to repeat it a thousand times over would be a problem, then yes, it's a problem. However, five mana, imprint X, tap it to put something from your hand into it to imprint it, and then you may copy an imprinted thing. I don't know, man. I don't know if it's that's I don't know if it's that scary compared to a lot of things that exist. Yes, uh, this card and then the next card we're going to talk about, and uh, indeed Amrakul and, and many other colorless cards, I think have the unfortunate fate of being colorless. Right? Yes, yeah. is is phenomenal because this is a diversity has, issue, isn't it? Right. It has this perfect okay. fixing. Right. You have generic mana you can use any kind of mana there's no problems you use basic lens non-basics it doesn't matter it is so easy to curve into these that it's not a problem right um i and i honestly i think that's for the worst right that's appropriate for uh things that are integral to the game like mana rocks it's very important that mana rocks remain accessible to decks of all colors i agree with that and many artifacts however cards like panoptic mirror and paradox engine and emrakul I think might have possibly been better served if maybe they had some restrictions in their casting cost by requiring certain numbers of uh, what if colorless they, pips. Yeah, what if they actually required colorless pips? Yes. Right, and, what if and, it was two and triple colorless? Right. Um, and I think that one of the reasons why we don't see this kind of thing is because that would begin to make colorless into a sixth color, which I'm extremely okay with. Especially if we're talking about colorless and not uh, generic mana cost, right? Sure. Because we do see colorless cards as a unique identity when we see Eldrazi cards. There are many Eldrazi cards that have colorless mana pips in their mana cost, mm-hmm. and that can make them more restricted to cast. And we see this identity of exiling and dominating the board and very expensive effects. And right. I think that this could have been a theme 
and could allow for some of these interesting effects to be put on a leash. But unfortunately, it's instead five generic mana. And because of that, it is super easy to cast this. It's easy to get it into any deck. And unlike most imprinted uh, cards with imprint on them, you don't get the originals back, but you also, there's no limit on how many you can put in. Right. I look at this and like, I'm literally looking at it and falling into the trap because I look at this card and it's like, you know what I would want to cast with this? Yeah. Uh, Kadama's Reach. Like, sure, Nature's Lord. Like, that's yeah. that's what I want to do with this. I just that, like, ooh, I'm a That being the case, I mean, if you yeah. like if you like instant speed, low-cost stuff, Isochron Scepter exists, and it's not bad. Right. Well, yeah, I, and I'm looking at, like, the, the sorcery speed ramp. Sure. But, like, yes. Sure. that's And that's what I'm saying. Like, if you look at the instant speed version of this, it's like, hey, that's scarier. <laughs> you know it is but... and it and it wins the game more consistently yep and one of the issues with imprinted cards is uh not unlike many situations in the game this has no evasion and if it gets removed you got two for one or multiple for one mm-hmm. because those cards are exiled they can't be accessed again even if you recast it and the original is gone yep so if you hid something good behind this there's no def- there's no you know there's no hexproof there's no, nothing like that Yep. I mean, if you have somebody who stored a bunch of tasty spells up in this mic, this is a good removal target. And honestly, you know, I've this this card was uh, was banned before I began playing the game of Commander, but I don't necessarily think that this would be super oppressive. I do think that the casting cost is very accessible, and that between that and the next card that we're about to talk about, that that probably contributes a lot. To why it was banned. Yeah, and I mean, you you mentioned it earlier, so we'll just go into it. Paradox Engine, five mana for a legendary artifact. Whenever you cast a spell, untap all land, non-land permanents you control. Right. Uh, printed in 2017, banned in 2019. Um, Paradox Engine can be played in any deck and creates large amounts of mana at little to no deck building cost. It Its play patterns uh, often involve long, drawn-out turns of tapping and untapping permanence, drawing cards, and generally monopolizing the chess clock of a game. Hey, uh, I played Paradox Engine in uh, my my Amara deck. I played it in a uh, Niv-Mizzet deck. Nothing that they said there is incorrect. <laughs> I mean, they're correct, yeah. it's It generates a phenomenal amount of value. It's very dirtly. Right? It's very dirty. It's, it's very dirty. It's very, it's very easy to include in a deck. Yep. So again, same with Panoptic Mirror. I, I mean, I agree. These cards are, uh, I'd, I'd say the main issue with them is not necessarily how powerful their effects are, but how easily their effects are accessed. I, I will say this. Panoptic Mirror, I'm 100% in agreement with you. Um, Paradox Engine is one of those cards now that it, I am removed from it and I am no longer like sad that my win con is removed from a deck that I built. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm actually looking at it. Paradox Engine is a problem. Like it's... It's a really, it's a really powerful card. It's like, as soon as somebody plays Paradox Engine, it's it's the worst groan that you get from like a Ristic Study or a Smothering Tithe or something like that. Where it's like, oh no, every one of this every one of this player's turns is going to be like an extra three hundred percent long right. at minimum, and they're probably going to win the game unless this is removed immediately. Ugh. So like, I, I get Paradox Engine being one that was banned. Panoptic Mirror, I don't know, man. Like, you, you literally have to pay the cost of a spell. To put it underneath yeah, this mirror, it your next to then cube. be able, yeah. yeah, exactly. So like, yeah, you can you can imprint it at the player's end step right before you, 
but like it's fine i'm I, again I yes paradox dungeon ultra powerful very dirtly was a problem and probably deserves to be banned however in an alternate timeline where colorless sometimes gets to flex into being color six and instead of costing five mm-hmm. generic it costs whatever five colorless did, would I think in that scenario that it might be accessible and okay? It, quite possibly. Right. Uh, let's talk about uh, yeah. our next card. And we'll try and pick up the pace a yeah, little bit. Yeah, it's primetime, Mike. Um, so I, I want to talk about <laughs> primetime and I want to talk about Sylvan Primordial uh, next because they specifically refer to primetime oh, with Sylvan, yeah. Sylvan Primordial. Uh Prime ti- uh, Primeval Titan, four green green for a creature giant, six six with trample. Whenever it enters the battlefield or attacks, you may search your library for two land cards and put them onto the battlefield tapped. Then shuffle your library. It was printed in 2012. It was banned in two. Or, sorry, it was printed in 2010. Banned in 2012. In a format where six mana spells are par for course, a card which tutors for any two non-basic lands and then demands an immediate answer to prevent its owner from further accelerating from mid to end game is problematic. Even if it's removed immediately, the lands it gets are hard to interact with. The result is that it decides but not ends the games frequently. And when it doesn't, will often become the focal point for the rest of the game as players fight over it. We want commander games to be decided by who casts the bit, uh, who casts the best big spells, and primetime easily tips those scales. Moving on to Sylvan Primordial, 5 green green for a 6-8 creature avatar with reach. When it enters the battlefield, for each opponent, destroy target non-creature permanent that player controls. For each permanent destroyed this way, Search your library for a forest card and put that card onto the battlefield tapped. Then search your li- or shuffle your library. First printed in 2013, banned in 2014. Sometimes considered an attempt to quote unquote fix Primeval Titan. Sylvan Primordial ended up being just as bad and sometimes worse. It can only get forests, but accelerates by two, three lands while knocking other players even further behind. Often flickered out to repeat the effect, the resulting mana gap is un- is usually insurmountable, and Sylvan Primordial is yet another card, uh, another example of a card which looks fun for the builder, but just makes games repetitive. Hey Alex, we don't need big old creatures that you can blink, attack, whatever, repeat to get a whole bunch of lands, let alone... Uh, I'm going to blow up your stuff and get good stuff out of them. There's a reason that we like to play the lands that I'm going to blow up your land, but I'm going to give you it's stuff. It's funny. It's, it. it's almost like the opposite of Terastodon where yeah. you blow up their thing yeah. and give them a land. You blow up their thing and give yourself a land. Um, yeah. A generous gift. I'm going to get rid of that because it's a problem. A yeah. Here's your 3-3. Three, three. Path, path to exile. Hey, I'm going to get rid of that thing. It's a problem. I will say that if, if you're trying to curtail the middle and top end of mono green big stompies giving a ton of value and a ton of mana, um, you might want to give that memo to the people who design green cards because these are not the only two high-value green cards. No, no. But here's the thing. If if Sylvan Primordial was just like when it enters the battlefield, uh, get get three forests. Terrastia. Right. If it was giving other things, even if it wasn't giving other things, if it was seven mana, when this enters the battlefield, go get some forests. And that was it. That'd still be really powerful, but it wouldn't be a problem. It's the I'm taking away your resources and I'm giving yeah. myself ones, which is why it's like, yeah, no, Sylvan Primordial is far worse to me than a prime time. Um, but that said, prime time, it's like if you told me that I got to put two basics onto the battlefield tap. Sure. I mean, prime time can win the game on okay, the spot because it can get land combos. Yeah. 
Right, exactly. And Silver Primordial is... It's not necessarily... It's, it's one of those things where if I play Primetime and it resolves, and if I play Sylvan Primordial and it resolves, I probably... Des- like they said, it's the game is probably decided. It doesn't necessarily win right then. It can. But it's going to decide the game almost effectively by itself. Sure, but I mean, we're... It, I think it's a similar issue with uh, with where we've talked about biorhythm and, and coalition victory. There, are, mm-hmm. these are sorcery speed cards. They are at yep. least what I would consider to be on the top end of the mana cost for most cards. Obviously, they go up even higher. We saw Emrakul go up to fifteen. Mm-hmm. But yes, effects that you get at at the middle and the top end for mono green are incredibly powerful. Yes, these cards are probably too powerful to be healthy in the format. Is there a list mm-hmm. 10 blocks long of, you know, green cards that give a colossal amount of value and just immediately probably cause you to, if not win the game, be in position to to win the game? Yeah, I mean, it's green. There's, there's an absolute just get in line, right? Yep. Uh, speaking of green, green with... Uh, and <laughs> you want to talk about how good green oh, is? Let's talk about how good Simic is. Profit accrue fix three green blue, yeah. five mana for a creature human wizard. It's a two three with untap all creatures and lands you control during each other player's untap step. You may cast creatures Ooh. as though they had flash. Uh, it was printed in September 2013 and banned in January 2016. Profit accrue fix creates a gameplay pattern where the controller of the card can interact and meaningfully play. During each other player's turn, this inevitably leads to one player monopolizing playtime without definitively ending the game. Um, I will say that as far as Simic value goes, this sits on top of the gleaming golden mountain. Uh, Prophet (laughs) of Crufix is the ultimate Simic value. Uh, It makes perfect sense to me that it's banned. However, this is not the only Simic creature that's doing colossal value. It, you you might want to you might want to send a memo to Simic like hey you're doing a lot of super high value and you know we're trying to ban that out of your out of your color pair that's that's the issue with with a lot of these bans for me right is that yes you can justify these cards let's talk about the next fifty cards that are run you know following that same criteria right so two things uh, first of all uh, at profit or crucifix yeah don't uh, yeah it's get it out of here get it yep. out of here I don't care. Um, uh, second thing, um, I was in a play group when I lived okay. in California where the rule conversation, the rule zero conversation, the only conversation that ever existed was, Hey, just so you know, there's a couple of unbanned car or a couple of banned cards that we play with. And I'm like, cool, which one or which ones? And they said, profit of crew fix. I'm like, okay, cool. Which other ones? And they're like, no, that's it. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. So, <laughs> so this card has a little bit of a, uh, for me, because um, I played it, I played against it, you know, less than a year ago. At so you, you're uh, full, a little bit over a year. You're ago. fully aware of just how absurdly good this creature is. Um, Alex, I we we not too long ago talked about my Silvala deck tech, where I like to get out a Seedborn Muse or something that allows me to untap my my creatures and lands, my creatures specifically, but my lands would be enjoyable right. as well. And try and get some kind of flash enabler. Like, that entire deck is based off of I'm going to tap one commander for lots of mana all the time. 
and I'm going to take turns on other people's turns. So where when I have resolved this, and if it's turn four, if it's turn five, and I have these pieces into play, cool, I'm going to win on the next turn because I know I am now basically going to take a turn on each one of yes. your turns. So yes, if if I played it and I monopolized playtime and I did not win the game quickly, that would be right. a problem. The thing I do with it is, hey, I'm letting you know I'm casting this. If you do not blow it up right now, this is going to combine with this, is going to combine with this, and I'm going to win on my next turn. Now imagine if all of that didn't have to exist. It was just on one card. Oh, wait, it does. you don't have to imagine. We're literally right. looking at it. Uh, profit of crew fix is a problem. Um, recur, re, recurring, not reoccurring, recurring nightmare. Two and a black for an enchantment. Sacrifice a creature. Return recurring nightmare to its owner's hand. Put target creature card from your graveyard into play. Play this ability as a sorcery. Uh, it was printed in 1998. It was banned in 2008. Outside of counter magic, it, it's nearly impossible to stop this card from doing its thing once it gets going, because returning it to its owner's hand is part of the cost of activating its ability. If your graveyard is sufficiently stocked, it's entirely possible that once you draw a recurring nightmare, it is the only spell you'll want to play for the rest of the game. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't necessarily disagree. Again, they are correct due to the way that this card is templated. Um, sacrificing mm -hmm. a creature and bouncing this card to hand, you're protecting this card by getting it back into your hand before uh, yep. they can get anything on the stack. You're uh, feeding the next instance that you'll use this card by getting a creature into the graveyard that your deck presumably mm -hmm. already wants to do. I've never had this card resolved in a game against me, but as somebody who understands the rules and, and just as a magic player, yes, it it is apparent to me that people would not like to play against something that's such a strong value engine that is also without any kind of defensive evasion on it is still very difficult to touch it's kind of like a black supercharged since it's divining top yeah i don't have anything to add it's real powerful okay um, what do you got for the next one got rafellos lenoir emissary it's a really famous one uh two green it's two total mana for a creature uh legendary creature elf it's a two one and it has the ability tap add a green for each forest you control um that's Great value right there. It was printed in uh, June 1999 and banned in September 2014. Rafellos is unique in its ability to consistently provide access to six mana on turn three. Regardless of which cards are played in the rest of the deck, this card is banned for doing too much too fast with minimal deck building restrictions. Yeah, no real arguments here. It is a highly effective mono green commander in the 99 it doesn't get any weaker. It's extremely effective there too. Um, it It's all but an auto-include in a mono-green deck and it provides a lot of mana-based value. Is this alone in mono-green? I mean, it might be one of the most powerful such effects, but you know, I'd argue that this is just in, you know, join the club, right? There's a lot of mono-green cards that provide explosive value. Yeah, as far as... That diversity wise yeah this can go in just about every mono green yeah, deck so definitely cool I, I, yeah i've got no problem with you getting out of here um i right. don't i don't love the like it consistently provides access to six mana on turn three yeah you know any other green cards that might do that yeah, i mean do you know any other 
do you know any decks that are consistently going to give you more mana that are that are right. it's called mana curve for a reason you could be right. above it like yes this is the best way this card is efficiently always going to be above mana curve if it is yes. your commander cool there's decks that that's the entire principle that they play with right it's again that's my primary issue with the ban list is not necessarily the cards on it although i may have my individual beefs with them mm-hmm. it's more that whenever i see a card on it i'm like okay now consistently apply that logic to the rest of the game but they won't because that's not how the rc views the ban if they did there would be like three banned cards or there would be 300 banned cards i understand so i, get I understand that, yeah. that that there are logistical problems to this approach however that doesn't that doesn't make me satisfied shaharazad shaharazad <laughs> white white um hey man I'm not reading this entire card. Shahrazad, you you correct me if I'm wrong. Shahrazad says, "Hey, stop playing the game of magic that you're currently playing and play a different game of magic." Yeah, so Shahrazad is a incredibly incredibly unique card. Um, it's from another era of magic, yep. an era where they weren't 100% sure which direction they were going. They printed cards like Chaos Orb and Falling Star. And they printed cards like Scheherazade. Um, I will say that insofar as flavor, Scheherazade wins the platinum medal, right? Because Scheherazade is the teller of tales in Arabian Nights or A Thousand and One Nights, however you know the story, uh, wherein she is uh, mm-hmm. protecting her life or uh, something else based on uh, just telling endless stories, just continuously telling stories so that uh, her death never comes and that is exactly what's happening here so yeah. if we look at the oracle text for a devil white sorcery players play a magic sub game using their libraries as their decks each player who doesn't win the sub game loses half their life rounded up the idea of a magic sub game it's it's fascinating uh but goodness gracious mike would there be anything worse in a game of commander than starting up another game in the middle of your game and the rest of the table doesn't get to play, that would be a really feels bad situation. Well, let's see, Alex, because this card was first printed in 1993 and it was banned in 2011. Scheherazade seems like the kind of fun, wacky spell that Commander wants to promote in the format. Unfortunately, resolving it is something (laughs) of a logistical nightmare in most circumstances, and the spell ends up causing a lot of bad experiences, as players seem to love copying and recurring it, turning the game into a slog. I will say this. I, and there are a few things that I say as vehemently and seriously about magic and, and people in general. If you are the type of person that would like to play Scheherazade and then copy it and recur it, I do not want to sit in a pod with you. Like, just verbatim. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, no. I don't want to play five games of Commander in my Commander game. I... I, there are commander games I don't want to play the one game <laughs> because oh man we're doing a lot of stuff that I don't like here can we can we just scoop and and can I scoop and we just play new new decks please completely appreciate I completely Whew. appreciate what they're doing here yeah I think this would be a perfect silver bordered card absolutely in fact let's just let's just I'm gonna take the <laughs> website draw and silver over picture it. okay and well Mike's doing that let's do another Titan let's talk Acker. about sundering Titan yeah yeah which is eight generic for an artifact creature golem it's a 710 when sundering Titan enters the battlefield or leaves the battlefield choose a land of each basic land type destroy those lands 
Uh, it was printed originally in February 2004 and banned in June 2012. There are many lands players would love to see leaving the battlefield, but Sundering Titan doesn't target those. Decks that blink or bounce Sundering Titan can utilize its effect repeatedly, leading to an environment where it's nearly impossible for opponents to keep basic in play. Basic land destruction is a predictably unpopular mechanic, especially in a format where you don't know the people you are playing against. I broadly agree. Um, land destruction in general might get yeah. more uh, hate and be more against the social contract than perhaps you could argue it should be. However, as they say in the explanation, as far as land destruction goes, destroying basics is less fair than most kinds of land destruction because at least the people with basics are trying to play fairly or don't have uh, the means to round out their meta base with many multi-hundred dollar lands. Uh, so it, it really does seem especially punitive to hit basics, Mike. Yep. I, I'd love to tell you I have, I have really good insight and, and thoughtful consideration to add to that. I don't. Sundering Titan. Look, look at that flavor text, Glissa Sunseeker. Even if we defeated what remains to be saved. Exactly. 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 Uh, not, not our relationships with each other at the pod. Uh, <laughs> Sway of Stars. Eight blue blue for sorcery. Each player shuffles their hand, graveyard, and permanence they own into their library, then draw seven cards. Each player's life total becomes seven. 2004 printing not sure when it was banned but casting sway of stars has the effect of completely negating the game that was in progress before its resolution sway adds time to the game and takes away action you might as well shuffle up and play a new game okay all of that is totally fair mm -hmm. why does world fire exist yeah okay yeah exactly mike you hit the nail on the and head. that's it exactly um world fire is remarkably similar to this card it has a very high casting cost it has multiple colored pips it's in red it's also a sorcery it does a somewhat similar thing in that it resets most of the game and puts people to sudden death, right? With Worldfire, that's setting it to one life. With Sway the Stars, it's setting it to seven. Yes, seven is significantly more than one, but... In Not significantly enough. Right, exactly. In principle, is it that much different? I would say no. I would say that Worldstar and Sway the... Worldstar. Worldfire and Sway the Stars... <laughs> Worldstar. Worldfire and Sway the Stars are two of a crime, right? They're two very similar effects, and indeed they were both on the band list, but one of them came off. Is it because one life is so much less than seven? Perhaps so. Yeah, there's, I, there's if, if one should be on here, both should, and if... One of yeah. them isn't, then neither should, right? It's the consistency for me. Uh, we did Sylvan Primordial, Time Vault. Goodness, you know, Mike, I was shocked when I learned that Time Vault is not a Power 9 card uh, because it sure kind of seems like it would be. Uh, Time Vault's uh, too generic. You'll tap it, uh, take an extra turn, and it does not untap during your untap step. If you want to untap it, then you'll have to put, uh, I believe it's an Eon counter on it to untap it. And uh, that involves skipping your turn. However, obviously, if you have any kind of artifact on tap, you can just do that, like a Voltaic key or anything else. So it was uh, first printed in uh, August 93, banned in December 2008. Time Vault is a card that saw many changes to its rule stacks. Yes, this original version doesn't have anything about Eon counters. In an attempt to remove the ability to easily take infinite turns with simple untap effects like Voltaic key or Twiddle, Wizards finally reverted the card to its printed and broken text just prior to its banning in Commander. Yeah, um, again, 
how is this not a member of the Power Nine? I guess that's just my ignorance. This seems like the kind of thing that goes hand in hand with, uh, you know, Black Lotus and Time Walk, Mike. Speaking of. Yeah, Time Walk, one in a blue. Take an extra turn after this one for a sorcery. Uh, same thing as before. Time Walk was banned originally. It was originally banned for poor optics rather than power level, power nine stuff. Cool. Yeah, we don't need. I, I mean, we don't need to talk about it. I think it I mentioned this the last time we did the band episode, but uh, in, yep. in the playtest version, Time Walk originally said uh, target player loses next turn. And the playtesters thought that that meant that they lose the game next turn when uh, Richard Garfield <laughs> and company meant to write that you take an extra turn and they I don't get about a that. turn. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's just like, how do you make I, Time Walk 10 times stronger? And thus, extra turns were born, and and Mike went off. Yeah, exactly. Uh, moving on to Tinker. Yeah, <laughs> two and a blue for a sorcery. At the time that you play Tinker, sacrifice an artifact. Search your library for an artifact card and put that artifact into play. Sac- uh, shuffle your library afterwards. Ooh, it was printed in 1999. Yeah, banned in 2009. I don't know how it lasted that long. Uh, Tinker's ability to get high cost artifacts into play. In the very early game, often results games ending extremely quickly or being locked down to the point where players cannot interact meaningfully. Because Tinker's power is tied to the artifacts that are being cheated into play, its power increases over time as artifact designs become more powerful. Same thing that we saw earlier with Flash um, on that second bit there. Um, Yeah, three mana, get whatever artifact you'd like into play if you sacrifice something else. Yeah. That'll do it. Yeah, Tinker is uh, phenomenally powerful and uh, very much makes sense that it's banned. You sacrifice a treasure and get out mm-hmm, anything. anything. Yeah. Darksteel Citadel. Uh, uh, Darksteel Citadel. Uh, I mean, heck, uh, uh, Blightsteel Colossus. Yeah, any, all the good stuff. Uh, cool. Uh, I win. Bye. Let's, let's talk about the blue version of... Guy's Cradle, uh, Guy's Cradle not being banned and Talarian Academy being banned. It's a uh, legendary land with tap add blue for each artifact you control. That was printed in 1998 in October and banned in June 2010. Talarian Academy's power is tied to the abundance and ease of access to cheap artifacts in the earliest stages of the game. This often creates two or more colored mana on turn one and continues to scale throughout the game with no downside or additional costs at untap. Um, I agree. This card is phenomenally powerful. Super, super strong. Yep. Guy's Cradle seems to be right up there. That card's perfectly legal and has been. Um, now, granted, it probably is easier to get cheap artifacts out than it is to get cheap creatures out. But both artifacts and creatures have tokens. Um, yeah. I don't know, Mike. How do you feel that with Guy's Cradle being legal and this being bad? So here's my thing. Um I would be fine if you unbanned Talarian Academy because of Gaia's Cradle. I would be fine if you banned Gaia's Cradle because of Talarian Academy. Then I look at, like, Sarah, is it Sarah's Sanctum, the white one that cares about uh, enchantments? Yeah, Sarah's Sanctum. So, like, that one seems the right speed for me. Yeah, Sarah's <laughs> Sanctum is, is a perfectly serviceable card, and I think totally at least part of that is because it's yeah. a white card, and, and it's it's got to deal with... Being in a white deck, enchantments as well. In and it's there's it's very few for token enchantments. To, very few of those, right? Right, and even if there are the ones that are like, hey, I'm making more enchantment creatures, or the um, the Heliod that puts enchantment creatures and stuff like that. Like, there's things that care about, like, oh, I'm making token enchantments, but you're not making a lot of them compared to the amount of right. artifacts. There are no just overall 
there's yeah. no enchantment moxen, right? There's no there's no treasure <laughs> enchantments, right? Right. The, Ex- the support exactly. that artifacts have is especially at the zero drop end is way higher than any enchantment support. So it makes right. sense. Um, however, it is interesting that this is the only one in the cycle that caught a ban. Now let's talk about Mike, the only card on this list, to my knowledge, that was printed in a commander precon trade secrets. Yeah. One double yeah. blue, that's three mana for a sorcery target. Opponent draws two cards. You may draw up to four cards. That opponent may repeat this process as many times as they like. Uh, is this the ultimate group hug card? Yes, definitely. Uh, first printed in 98 in October, banned in 2013 20, 20, uh, 20, uh, in April. And uh, this was in the original commander set, so it was banned two years after it was printed in uh, in Commander, the 2011 series. Trade Secrets is a flag bearer for the banning principle of cards which interact poorly with the multiplayer nature of the format, as it's a cheap spell that allows two players to collude, draw unlimited cards, and box the other players out of the game. I mean, sure, am I salty that this, you know, instant group hug win con is not accessible to us? Sure, uh, it probably should remain banned, but... I mean, yeah. at, at least at one point, R&D thought this would be access, you know, acceptable because they put it into a Commander Precon, Mike. So here's the thing. Yeah. Uh, my favorite my favorite thing with this card, and what I think about with a lot of cards, is I found the problem with our playgroup. It's the players. Like, it's there's nothing <laughs> wrong with this card. The card is fine. It's just that deals exist. It's, it's well, it's that deals can exist, and more importantly, uh, people can decide... Yeah, let's make this a two-player game. Like it's it is absolutely there to be like, oh, I'm gonna play this three mana spell, and you two are basically non-factors for the rest of the game. Okay, cool. Let's continue. Um, yeah, it's a really cool card. I'm I'm and I I'm I say this with the utmost respect for you. I'm actually surprised that you let the logic side of your brain fully invest like fully decide how you feel about this card being on the ban list as opposed to your group hug love and your love for this card i feel like i was just overshadow it i was yeah i was very clear on the fact that i adore this card design right and that's what i'm saying i thought that it was no i why is it bad this is such a cool card (laughs) and you didn't you didn't let yourself get emotionally attached to it and blind because i've never been allowed to play it before mike so that's probably why Now let you can me be pl- atta- let me play. You can be emotionally attached to the. You can be emotionally attached to the idea. Let's talk <laughs> like, about the idea. So in in trade secrets, we have a a nice man who is trading with some kind of octopus creature, which is just Cephalophon great. What whatever. are they trading? Hmm. Secrets. I mean, they're trading secrets. Right. What secrets does the octopus have? Let's move on. Well, uh, no, you can't. No, no, no. You know what? If this was something that we were talking about in an hour thirty-six, as opposed to two hours thirty-six, I would spend another five God, minutes. I'm so on sorry to our listeners. No, don't be. We're, we're, hey, guess what? This is going to be a two-episode. Uh, <laughs> next one, upheaval. Hey, uh, sadness is on the stack. Uh, upheaval is a four blue blue sorcery that says return all permanents to their owners' hands. Um, Games of Commander. Oh, sorry. It was first printed in 2001. It was banned early. Uh, Games of Commander are expected to go long. It's not uncommon to see up uh, players cast spells for 10 plus mana. Upheaval is both an emergency reset, which leaves the game right back at square one, and a way to get ahead 
in in the game by floating mana bouncing everything then replaying your hand while leaving everyone else stuck at nothing gives no real way to interact with it besides counter magic okay all right um i need to know why if you if you take everything that was just said about upheaval and then you take out upheaval and you include the word cyclonic mm, rift instead find waiting place. for that Tell me what the difference is. Well, because and and here's the thing. <laughs> I understand non-land permanents versus permanents. Cool. However, sorcery speed, I'm going to get ahead by replaying stuff in floating mana and you all get to start over. How many times does somebody psychrift as an offensive option and not win the game on their turn or the following turn? It it can happen. I, it, it can happen. Yeah. But it's but it's it's not common. Right. If, if I cast if I cast Psych Rift to win the game, I'm winning that game if it resolves. So I don't see the difference. Yeah, I mean it's Psych Rift is just so utterly dominant as a board wipe. Granted, it does not bounce lands, but sure, it has literally everything else going for it. It's instant yep. speed. It's modal. Its cost is affordable, especially for what it does. And asymmetrical. it's asymmetric. Like, how how are you going to have upheaval banned and not psych rift? Explain it to me. Yeah, there there is a reason where if you ask like any and and, and hey, were these as well? If you asked any Magic the Gathering content creation person, if you had to ban one card, what would it be? There's a reason that a vast majority of them are going to say psych probably rift. psych rift. It's just so, it's so good. Like, it's so yep. good. So, Yawgmoth's Bargain is another hey. card with this same kind of situation going on where it's the inconsistency for me, right? It's four double black, six mana for an enchantment. Skip your draw step, activated ability, pay one life, draw a card. Okay? Yep. It was first printed in June 99. Yawgmoth's Bargain abuses commander's higher life totals, making the life payment essentially trivial. It too easily allows for access to a large portion of one's deck without having to guess how far you need to go and leaves the mana up for casting the cards drawn right away. Um, I'll just say one word, Necropotence. What do you have to say, Mike? Uh, Necropotence, you have to wait to pick up the cards. I'm aware that you have to wait to pick up the cards. But that's it. Yeah, that's the only difference. It also costs half as much. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't draw you the cards, so you're allowed to play stacks pieces that prevent drawing. Right. No, no, I don't get me wrong. That was not a clarification as far as you're wrong. That was a clarification as far as like, here are all the differences. Right. Cool. Yeah. They're the same picture. Necropotence <laughs> is, is the god king of, of draw. I mean, Yawgmoth's Bargain wishes that it was necro, Necropotence. But necropotence? Necropotence, Necropotence. Sorry. Necropotence? It, ne- necropotence. <laughs> However you want to say it. Necropo. Necropo, however you want to Ooh, say I it. I like that. Welcome to Necropo. Would you like to leave your body with us? <laughs> Would you like Would to you leave like your left to check with that us? body for yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. You put uh, it in the courtroom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've we've gotten to that point, Alex. We're we're at we're at full fledged loopy. Um, yeah, I, I here's the thing. Okay, so if you listen to our podcast episode years ago at this point holy cow it's been years um talking about the ban list and you listen to it right before you listen to this episode there's going to be a lot of similarities there's going to be a lot 
Yeah, there's there's going to be a lot of shared thoughts, not necessarily carbon copies of those takes, but I love the action, like the whole point of this project is the explanation, right? Yeah, Where, I'm glad that we hey, have here's them. The, it's a lot better than it's not so having nice. them. And again, there there are a couple of cards where I was like, I don't know why this is banned. Well, now I know exactly why it's banned. And I, I again, there's a couple of cards on there that I'm having a Mia Culpa on where, oh, you know what? You know what? Now knowing that it's 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 not just because, oh, it's it's too strong. It's the diversity. It, it's that this can go in every deck. And if it could go in every deck, then that ruins some of the integrity of being creative and stuff like that. Because now if you don't include it, you're actually hindering your ability to win by, a, a you know, a quarter of a percentage point or whatever. All right. Maybe I don't agree with it, but at least I understand it. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, we've we've definitely gained information that we didn't have. Um mm-hmm. I like insight. There was you know? a it was it was my understanding that some of these older cards were in fact banned for high prices. And we now have the confirmation that at least for the power nine and cards adjacent to the power nine, that's true. The optics, the yes, they the say they say optics, entry, but really it's, like that. it's the cost, right? The cost Price. and how yeah. it relates to the optics. Um do I think that the optics of Commander could be improved even more by making more cards accessible and not just worrying about banning the you know the nine that happen to be some of the most expensive yes but Mm -hmm. the rc doesn't print the cards right the rc doesn't decide what cards go into the sets and what the prices of cards are i can't really blame them for that can i no no uh we can blame them for a lot of things (laughs) but in a loving respectful way absolutely Um, and and i said it at the beginning i'll say it now right we just spent the better part of two and a half to three hours complaining about minutiae in an RC ban list. But again, mm. w- would we ever be happy? Probably not. Would anybody no. in, in EDH, it, can you make everyone happy all the time? No, it's impossible. And that's doubly true for Magic players. So again, the RC and the CAG have an impossible job. And I have nothing but respect for them. And and really us putting so much uh, conversation time into talking about their decisions should really speak to just how important this stuff is for sure for sure and i mean it's like i like i i i I said it briefly i i love context context is everything to me and just about everything Mm. so the fact that i feel better uh when i get more information about something that is i'm deeply passionate about and it doesn't make me feel worse about the thing that is so good (laughs) <laughs> I, you know, the never meet your heroes kind of stuff. It is so nice to me to know more about the why and the if and the how and not feel worse right. about it. And, and, and I'm definitely there. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm again, thank you so much to uh, the members of the RC and the CAG who did the research and the legwork. And it is a little bit amusing, right? That uh, this format has existed for so long that research had to be done to determine why our ancient elders banned these cards, right? Because that information And, and, and we still don't even know some of them. Right, it's for like, a lot of these cards, still... we don't have ban list dates. Yeah. Right. So it's... Why is it banned? Because that is what the age told us well, in exactly. the long that's, ago. Now we have more information than that's yeah. what they told us in the long ago, right? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, Alex, if somebody wanted to talk to you about... 
Um, hey, I know this card is banned, but I want to find a way to kind of do that effect with that card without actually playing that card. Can you help me find a combo with that? Or interactions as far as, you know, hey, does this work the way I think it does? Or to comment and say, guys, your episodes are way too long. You need to calm <laughs> that down. Um, how would they get a hold of you? Sure. Uh, those first two things, especially, those are great questions. As far as the long episodes question, um, I'm just going to put all the blame on Mike. Obviously, it's 100% Mike. No, we we just love to talk. We love to to talk about EDH. And uh, Mike said this will be a two-parter, right? So maybe we'll break this one up and, and save you all uh, gigabytes of download. You can find me on social media, on Twitter, at uh, Lappermedic, L-A-P-P-E-R-M-E-D-I-C. Um, I have all of my social and projects at uh, my site, lapper.gay, L-A-P-P-E-R dot G-A-Y. And we also have the Commander Spellbook, which is the search engine for EDH combos. Um, we actually do, Mike, index combos which contain cards that are banned in EDH. Uh, you won't no! normally see them. You won't normally <laughs> see them. But you can choose to see them, especially if you search up those cards specifically. Uh, so if your pod allows some of these cards to be played and you want to show them how powerful these cards are, you go to commanderspublic.com. There you go. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, thank you to our patrons. Thank you to our Discord. Uh, I, Alex, I will have to remember to record a separate intro for the After the Break part. I suppose so. Uh, telling, telling people how they can find us. Uh, so hopefully you were listening then. Um, but... For the time being, and until they ban another card, or until they unban another card, or another set comes out, or we just find somebody cool to talk to, we'll talk to you soon.